You're listening to the Overboard Show, an extended version today. As we whistle around the world, we've just come from Tahiti, where we spoke with Rodolphe uh, Hollier. And uh, we've got to get him back on because we just got to the shark bit at the end and um, everyone loves a good shark story. And now we have gone to Phuket, where we are um, lucky enough to have Anthony... Um, I have to pronounce your name, Gould or Gould. Gould. Anthony Gould with us from the Galileo Academy. Good uh, good day, Anthony. I'm not going to say good morning or evening because we're on different time zones here. How are you doing, sir? Well, I'm doing fine, Dave. It's it's, uh, in the afternoon, quarter past two in the afternoon in Phuket. Ah, and it's beautifully sunny outside. And you'll be surprised to know it's a sunny day. Yeah, um, no shock there at all. Lovely part of the world. Very. Fo- I was there in in the eighties, uh, back when I had hair um, on well, on the top of my head, anyway. And uh, it's probably one of the most memorable places I've ever been. Absolutely love Phuket, and and the people. I love the the sense of humour. I'm Irish, and um, you know what an Irish sense of humour is like. You've got Keen there. And it's not the most exportable product in the world. And uh, one thing I did like about the uh, people in Phuket, or the Thai people, was they actually understood an Irish sense of humor, which uh, uh-huh. which is a rare thing for us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, um, you were talking to Kian, uh, Kian O'Farrell, yeah. the other day, and uh, we're getting used to the Irish sense of humor. It takes a bit. And what I found, because I, I used to live in England, and I, I can tell you're English, um, was because a lot of our humor is is sarcasm-based. And mm. uh, people are left wondering, well, why doesn't he like me? Why is he? And then other people would step in and go, no, that's an Irish sense of humor. Don't. It's nothing personal. It's just yeah. they do things like that. So as uh, I apologize on behalf of our nation. Um, Anthony, Don't what, do that. What, <laughs> what brought you to Phuket, and and how did you get involved in? Uh, did did you start off your life in, in yachting and sailing as a young man? Uh, yes, very much so. Um, when I was a very small boy, I spent most of my summers with my grandparents uh, down at a place called Leon Solent, the south of England, oh, yeah. on the coast. Yeah, yeah. And from there, from the beach, we could see the. Um, the beautiful liners coming out from Southampton water and heading off around the world. And I was captivated by the idea of um, sailing off to strange and distant lands and exotic places. And then I saw um, private yachts. Uh, In in those days, they were all wood and white. Um, And there was no aluminium and there was no fiberglass. Um, they looked extremely beautiful, and I thought that was the most romantic thing I could imagine to get on a uh, a wonderful um, a wonderful yacht uh, and sail off to far places on your own. And that was my ambition. And so uh, by the time I was nineteen, I'd saved up just about enough money to buy my first boat. And uh, that was a twenty seven foot sloop. Uh, built in, in the south coast, actually built on the Isle of Wight at uh, Bembridge. And I used to sail uh, around the island. Uh, we, I think, three or four times sailed in the round the island race. Um, and 
my sailing career started then and has gone on uh, for the last uh, 52 years. So, Something uh, years. Yeah, let's put I've, a number I've on had, it. Uh, <laughs> different sailing boats, different motorboats, uh, always a boat. But most of my life I've been uh, running public companies. So from the time I was 29, I was running a British public company. Um, and then uh, in Papua New Guinea, then in Australia, uh, then in Hong Kong, and now 27 odd years in Thailand. So, so you were, um, you were more the corporate side professionally. Um, yes. But uh, when you weren't doing that, your, your passion was being on the ocean and, and sailing. Exactly. And I had uh, two fairly lengthy periods, each of about two years, when I took time off when my children were very young um, and when I first got married. Actually, my, my first uh, ocean cruise was when I married and we went off on a honeymoon cruise for two years. That's the um, honeymoon? From, yes, that was a honeymoon. Did, it was, did the marriage uh, survive it? <laughs> <laughs> well, nearly didn't, actually. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Within, uh, I think we left Portsmouth and got to Dartmouth and then she was leaving me. Uh, we, we crossed Lime Bay in a storm, uh, thunder, lightning, heavy rain, uh, rolling seas, and that was just about enough to, to, to finish the marriage. <laughs> but she, she, she came back on board and eventually we got to, uh, through the Bay of Biscay and down to Gibraltar, um, uh, along the Spanish coast through the Balearics up into uh, Sardinia and uh, the Greek islands, Turkey. North Africa, and um, it turned out to be a fantastic cruise. It was uh, it was wonderful. And uh, uh, two years later, we we had two children, and we set off again. What, but this you, time it was uh, without the children. Uh, no, with the children. Ah, they were. Two, I know that feeling. <laughs> um, and uh, this time we built a yacht out in uh, in Taipei, okay. um, and. Uh, put it in the water in Keelung. We spent a few months during the fit out and so on and eventually sailed down to through the Philippines. I guess we must have spent three or four months in the Philippines and then three or four months in Indonesia, the Talaud Islands, uh, Waigeo, Buak, Irian Jaya and Papua New Guinea. And then off down to Australia. So uh, it was a long, a long cruise with two very young children. Can't begin to tell of, you how... How absolutely irritating it is to hear all that because I am so jealous <laughs> right now. Well, it was it was a wonderful experience, not only for me but also for the children because yeah. uh, they they developed a, an interest in the sea and in everything to do with the, the marine world, um, which is uh, still with them today. They're they're in their forties now and have their own children. So I'm a, a grandfather times over. A young grandfather at heart. A young grandfather at heart, yes. But you asked how I got into this business. Yeah. Well, I mean, all my life I've loved sailing. That's been my passion. You're quite right. Mm. So when I wasn't um, maneuvering boardroom politics, uh, I was out. Um, stormy weather in itself. It's, <laughs> that, that in itself is far more frightening than a, a force-eight gale mm. in the open ocean, I can assure you. Um, so my relaxation, my... My, my passion was sailing and uh, always sailing yachts, actually, but uh, more recently I've had powerboats. And then I uh, retired from the boardroom uh, when I was 55 
And I thought this is going to be very nice. I'll sit back and read a few books. But within a month, I was feeling bored and looking around for something to do. Um, we had moved to Phuket uh, to be near the sea, to be near my boat. And it turned out my next door neighbor was uh, a company called Galileo Yachting. And I, I thought that's a good idea. It's, it's a school for uh, interior crew, for stewards and stewardesses and so on. Um, so I got to know the, the owner of the school and uh, liked him, went out sailing with him a few times. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to buy half the company, which I did. And then I realized that uh, we had very different ideas about the future and how to develop this school. So I bought the whole of it and uh, brought in other investors who were interested in developing a maritime training academy um, to the very highest standards. And remember at that time that we're going back five, six years now, um, maritime academies in the Asia Pacific were uh, basically un unaccredited and not um, living up to a very high standard. Um, and I wanted to develop an academy that was absolutely the top end, that, that would, would be as good as anything you could find in Europe or America or the, uh, Australia or, or the UK. So I went to uh, the UK. I, I uh, met with and talked to uh, MCA as being the, the target for accreditation for our school. And they were very dubious indeed. They thought that uh, there was little, if any, chance that uh, the UK government would, would uh, take a risk on a school based so far away in Thailand. Um, and in fact, I was told quite bluntly that uh, the chances of uh, the UK government risking their reputation uh, on a school which could not be policed, uh, monitored, as well as schools in the UK or thereabouts, uh, was virtually nil. But I, I spent 18 months convincing them that this is where growth in the industry was happening, <clears throat> that there was a, a, um, a quantum shift from uh, the, the crowded waters of the Florida coast, the Caribbean, uh, the Med and the Adriatic, and a lot of yachts were coming out this way, where we've got you know, uh, enormous cruising grounds, uh, massive cruising grounds through the Magui archipelago up around uh, Burma and uh, through the, the Thai waters and the Andaman Islands down to the Malaysian Islands and uh, the Philippines, Indonesia, just massive mm -hmm. cruising grounds and nobody there. Um, um, and marinas, uh, not, not so many, but marinas that were um, welcoming to super yachts and relatively inexpensive uh, and with berths available. So I thought this was a very good place to set up a maritime academy um, and convinced MCA eventually to say, well, okay, we'll, we'll examine you in Southampton first. If you can prove to us in Southampton that you meet all the Merchant Navy Training Board and the IMO and MCA requirements and standards, then we'll come out and audit you in Thailand, uh, which they did. And um, eventually we were approved we met all their requirements and we were given 10 courses, the 10 basic uh, safety courses under STCW. How long did that process take you? Uh, well, Two it years? took 18 months to convince them to do it. And then it took the best part of a year to go through the accreditation process 
Uh, so uh, over two years, from uh, 2014 to 20, the end of 2015. Wow. And uh, it was well worth it, though. We, we learned a huge amount about uh, what would be required and what we needed to do, and we, we had to improve things uh, e even above what we thought was the required standard by the time the, the audits were done here in Thailand. Um, you can imagine, I mean, they were extremely uh, demanding. Mm -hmm. um, they wanted to sure, ensure that we were every bit as good. And as they told us when they first came here, that you have to be every bit as good as the best school in the UK. Uh, at the end of the process, they called us all together and uh, said, well, you'll be pleased to know that you're fully approved and accredited now by the MCA. Um, and they added a comment, which uh, I was amazed at at the time. They said, by the way, we'd like to, to add that you're on your way to being one of the best, if not the best, maritime academy in the world. And I was, I was shocked. I mean, I was uh, jaw-dropped. And I said to him, uh, why would you say something like that? I mean, I, I, music to my ears, but why would you, um, why do you believe that? And he said, well, it's quite straightforward. You're doing more than is required. Uh, you're making it fun. You're making it interactive. You're making it memorable. Um, and you're making it um, uh, an experience that people will remember throughout their career. Um, so we were, we were very glad to hear that. That's actually what we set out to do in the first place, to make it fun and memorable and, uh, and effective as a training. It sounds process. like they raised the bar on you saying that you had to be as good as the best. And yes. you obviously went that bit further. And I guess you know, with, with your passion and love for the sea, by building in that to it as well, that uh, it, it should be a, a, a fun experience. Yes. Well, I've always believed in business, and, and I've, I've learned this in many lessons, that if you aim to be at the very top of your industry or of your standard or your quality, uh, you're building something that's durable, you're building something that will withstand um, uh, bad times. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can take it to the, uh, the yacht builders, those that build the highest quality, most beautiful, most expensive yachts are the ones that survive when things get tough. Um, and, you know, Rolls Royces don't usually have a dip in sales. They're in demand wherever. So th this was our plan to be the Rolls Royce, if you like, of the um, maritime training industry. And we're, we're still quite small, we still have a long way to go, but uh, that's still very much our ambition. Um, it's what matters to me. I don't like doing anything by, by halves or by uh, the cheapest route. I want to do it the best route that there is. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, that's what Galileo is now. We're, we're now approved with 20 uh, MCA STCW courses. We have another 13 courses that are uh, 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 not of the kind that MCA uh, become involved in, such as um, career entry-level courses for cooks and stewards and uh, uh, so on. Uh, we have um, stability, ship stability courses. Um, we have uh, 
a whole range of security courses that we run here. Um, some are MCA approved and some are uh, ISPS based courses and so on. But uh, we had to make it attractive for people to come from other parts of the world and we thought that would be a problem. We thought that this is uh, quite an expense to get a flight out to Thailand. Um, so to begin with, we, we focused on Southeast Asia. We focused on Thailand and Malaysia and uh, Singapore, Hong Kong and so on. So local students as it were from... Local students, yes. And, and, and that, that worked, but very quickly we discovered that people were coming from far and wide. Um, and we realized that actually Phuket's rather an attractive location. What is? I mean, if you, if nothing against Southampton, but uh, Southampton mm. versus doing my STCW in, in Phuket, uh, I know where I'm yes. going. Yes, exactly. Well, a lot, a lot have found that to be the case. And um, I don't know if you've seen photographs of where we're based. We're, we're based mm. in the largest super yacht marina in the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, we've got an academy uh, spread out in the forest right overlooking the sea. Beautiful Pangna Bay. Well, I've, see, I've seen those uh, pictures, but I didn't see it zoomed out, so I couldn't see it in relation oh, right. to the okay. marina. But well, from the main academy building, which is an architect design building we just completed six months ago, where we have our student residence and our main classrooms and uh, training center and so on, we, we've got a, a campus spread around... Uh, with a marine uh, engineering school, um, a medical center, an advanced firefighting facility, um, in-water survival pool, um, uh, eight vessels in the marina. Um, it's uh, it's walking distance, very you know, two or three minutes walk mm -hmm. to each of those facilities from the main the main center. And these are eight vessels you can train on. Yes, we uh, from uh, jet skis up to uh, thirty-six foot um, trawler yachts for uh, basic navigation and seamanship. Several super yachts that we don't own ourselves, but the owners have um, provided them to us for training purposes. So all of our super yacht training courses include days on board doing exterior cleaning and maintenance and interior cleaning and maintenance. Um, uh, buffet design and, and uh, hospitality, uh, housekeeping, and so on. There's obviously a benefit to the owner for that as well. Yes. Um, it, it not only keeps their boat clean and, and tidy, but mm. it also reminds their crew what kind of standard they ought to be achieving. And uh, they sometimes have to uh, clean it, and, and uh, their crew are maybe not quite so uh, yeah. particular. Yes, they must love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so um, that, that, that's, uh, that's where we are now. Um, I'm um, very optimistic about the future. The, the, the growth over the last two years, uh, I think we had 105% growth between 2017 and 2018. And so far this year, from January to May, we've had 76% growth on last year. Wow. So it's a, it's a steady uh, increase. Um, most of it by uh, referral from previous students. Mm. Um, I, I would say 50% of the people who are on the course this month are people who were recommended to us by previous student, students or, on, or coming from vessels, from super yachts, 
who have a crew member or more who came here for training and they they pass the word on that this is a um, a good experience i think that's a the thing in, in this industry experience. it's it's the most powerful way of uh, promoting yourself is through uh, re uh, recommendation within the industry word of mouth yes um yes. in fact i think that's how we learned of you through uh, zara and marika from uh, super yacht services guide zara yes and and uh, uh, and nick you probably know nick too so. Uh, Nick, Nick, Nick and Zara were the managers of the marina here. Nick, um, Nick I don't know. I, uh, Zara and Marika. Uh, we oh, Marika, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. I don't think I need no, Nick. We, we, we've, uh, we've spoken on the station here in, uh, recently um, about the, I suppose you put it, the, the China question. Uh, yeah. Over the last five years, you know, it's the probably the, the richest pool of billionaires and, and young billionaires emerging from um, the China, South China area. And mm -hmm. there's been speculation over the last five years as to not, um, I suppose the question has been, when are the Chinese going to get more invested into the super yacht world? What we've seen <clears throat> is that uh, Chinese are getting invested, but more at a corporate level, um, yes. investing into campers and nickels, investing into other companies um, from from a, a shareholding perspective. We're not mm. really seeing them buying into the actual super yachts. And in fact, those that have been buying super yachts, um, for example, one person was saying recently that they went onto a boat, they sold a Chinese gentleman, and they found the plastic still on the mattresses. Mm -hmm. So they were using them during the day to play mahjong or uh, yes. whatever it is, and then they were going off. They're, they're uh, time poor, cash rich, but time poor. Do you find? Yes. Um, uh, do you do you have many students coming or uh, any students coming from China? Uh, we have. We've had students coming from Hong Kong, of course. Um, if you uh, put that together with China, mm -hmm. uh, we've had students from. Taiwan, from Hong Kong, from Singapore, um, who are of Chinese origin, uh, and we're starting to see a few coming from China. The, the, there are several issues. One, one is, of course, that the industry is not well known by um, school leavers in, in China. If you were to go to, into most classrooms and mention a super yacht, they would have no idea what you're mm. referring to. Um, and also there's been the one child policy for a long time in China. So that, uh, if the one child were, were going to go overseas oh, okay. and work super yacht, um, the family would not be wildly enthusiastic about that. Um, so there's a cultural issue. There's a protective issue. Um, there's a question mark about from the family's perspective, what, what, uh, what would their life be like? Would they be safe and secure? Would they, uh, would they come home again and so on. So mm. many issues uh, as far as the crew are concerned or youngsters going into the industry. But as you rightly say, the, the corporate end has been extremely active. Many of the large Italian yards are now owned by Chinese groups. Sunseeker. Um, I realize Sunseeker, 93% Chinese owned now. That's right, yes. Um, uh, and many 
maybe even more than 50% of the large uh, yacht builders are now Chinese owned. Um, and the Chinese are very actively developing a marine industry and promoting it. The, there's a claim by the uh, tourist organizations that there are hundreds, if not a thousand, marinas. Of course, they're referring to very small. Uh, a jetty with six boats is a marina. Mm -hmm. um, their, their real uh, claim to fame is in Hainan Island, which is not far from us here, at the other side of Vietnam. That was there uh, that's the Monte Carlo of uh, of China, but uh, yeah, the um, you you point out Camper Nicholson's is owned by uh, Chinese interests. Many of the yacht builders are owned by Chinese, and many of the yachts, by the way, which are owned by Chinese, are not visibly owned by Chinese, and they're certainly not in China. Mm. Um, there's a certain sensitivity about being that rich that you've got. Uh, such visible wealth as a super yacht, and many people are going to ask, you know, where did the money come from to buy such a thing? Uh, of course. Um, so, discretion, and you can understand that uh, maybe flaunting that that wealth too close to home might not be a good idea. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, uh, but actually, I think I think a lot of charters that go on, and a lot of boats that are owned in um, in Florida and in, and in uh, the Mediterranean are actually Chinese owned or owned by Chinese corporations. Somewhere along the line. Got you. Somewhere along Got the you. line, yes. Back to Galileo. Well, yes. Well, we're <laughs> interested, of course, in opening up the Chinese market. We would like to do uh, training for Chinese crew to join Chinese owned super yachts. Um, and as it, as it happens, most Chinese yacht owners would like to have Chinese crew on board who, who speak their language and understand their cuisine and so on. Culture, yeah. Culture. Um, so that's something we will be focusing on. We've, we've not found the right metrics of how to market in China. Uh, there, there are uh, statutory problems in, in marketing for crew in China, um, and there are problems in uh, from a currency point of view and from uh, proving to the to the parents of the one child that they're coming to a safe haven and um, will in fact uh, get what they think they're going to get, which is high-grade high training and a career on a super yacht. That, that's after all what everybody everywhere in the world who comes to us for career entry training it has in their mind, absolutely front and center, is to get a job at the end of it. Um, and we all know that getting into the super yacht industry is is a tough game. Yeah. Uh, it's not yeah. so easy. <clears throat> Captains are not willing to take a risk on a new crew member who might be indiscreet or might be lazy or might be uh, have bad habits, uh, upset the owner, his wife or whatever. Um, why take a risk if you can take somebody who's done a year on a, somebody else's super yacht and has a reference from the captain? So it's tough to get in. Um, from the beginning, from uh, the first job. And that, that's what we focus on helping people with. Um, One of the other uh, few conversations we've been having with uh, various captains and also some crew agents as well um, over the past few months... Um, one, of the, one of the big topics... Well, there's been a couple. One has been mental health, which um, mm. we can come back to, and the other 
is, is kind of tied in is, is I'll say crew retention. Hmm. And uh, by crew retention, what I mean is that we've, we've, I think a lot of us are familiar with the term millennial as, hmm. as a, a, the kind of generation that was coming into the yachting uh, hmm. industry in the last five years. And currently this year we're seeing um, the, the uh, introduction of Generation Z or Z. Mm. Which, you know, if you know the alphabet, suggests that this is the last generation they'll ever be. I don't know what happened to all the A, B, C, D, E's and F's, but we're now mm. on, the, on the Z one. <laughs> um, That's a big... <laughs> sorry? That's rather a gloomy idea, right? It, it is. I just, I don't know where, I, you know, if you look it up, they're called officially Generation Z. I was like, okay, what happens next? Is it A1? I don't know. But... Um, a couple of the the issues that captains are having um, are that this this new generation coming on board, they the bereft of social interaction with other human beings. If it's not through a telephone or an app or a social media platform, so um, the other thing that they're finding is that I won't say attention span. It's the their let me see if I can put it correctly their tolerance level is much lower. Mm. So if within a short period of time they're not getting gratification, then um, it's, I want to change app, I want to change what's going on, I, I will leave. And this has become a real problem for captains in, in retaining crew, they're coming on board, um, and because the other side to it as well is the... There's a disillusionment. A lot of them are seeing things like Below Decks, which is this TV, I, I, rabbit ears, reality show, yeah. uh, which pretends to show the reality of our industry. And it's a bit extreme. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, and people are seeing this and thinking, oh, you know, Cristal Champagne, a jacuzzi on the super yacht, that's me. <laughs> and they're, they're pursuing this career. And so I'm just wondering... From a, a training academy, and let, let me wrap into this as well. The other thing that we've been talking about is, and it kind of ties in, is, is mental health of crew, um, which, uh, which I believe the MCA is looking at bringing, uh, adding a course uh, or upping the, 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 the standard of the course on identifying this. But mental health from perspective of crew coming into the yachting industry with a certain level of expectation and then finding out actually it's not all crystal champagne and, and jacuzzis and the life of the billionaires. It's hard work. It's long hours. You get well paid for it. The boat mm. does move around the world, but you don't necessarily get off the boat and, and go as a tourist to all these locations. You're living in a, a pretty small cabin, not necessarily mm. with somebody you're getting on with, you actually have to deal with human contact, a lot of it, and mm. can't just gravitate towards your, your app. So I'm throwing a lot at you there, but basically what, what I'm asking is, as, as a, a training center, A, are you seeing this with the students you're getting in, this kind of generation of social media and low human interaction and tolerances? And B, is there a discussion had with the students about the reality of being a crew member versus the p potential disillusioned expectation. 
that they might be coming mm. in with. Well, um, on the latter point, on the question of disillusionment, I think it's absolutely vital that uh, when people come here uh, to train to become a super yacht crew member, um, they get the real story uh, told to them in uh, an accurate and realistic way. Uh, they have to know that there are uh, many good things about the career and there are also which are difficult. I hate when um, that happens. The key to it is, is selection of, of the students who come. I mean, not, not everybody who applies to come as a student to, to start in the industry uh, gets accepted anyway. Um, there are certain basic things that have got to be evident in their application to make them suitable. Um, and being sociable and, and having a, a suitable background and so on, and suitable experiences in growing up or in what they're doing in, in university or in uh, the hospitality industry and so on, gives us a good clue as to who's going to make a success of this and who won't. But then when they come here, the first thing you do is go through an induction process where we explain in, in clear terms what the industry expects of them, what it's like to work on a super yacht, the good and the bad, um, and what they can realistically expect the, uh, of a career on a super yacht. Because to start off with, uh, unrealistic expectations would be potentially disastrous, and that could lead to all the other things, including the, the mental stress and so on. Um, nobody likes to fail, so uh, let's understand what you're getting involved in from day one. And we go through that in, in forensic detail. Uh, I, I do it personally on every course, and uh, I showed them films of what it's really like. I taught them about the, the issues to do with living on a, in a small space, of being homesick, of being maybe seasick, or maybe uh, having a period at the wrong time, and emotional issues, uh, people you don't get on with amongst the crew, jealousies that set up and, and so on, and, and not the way that it's portrayed in that television program, which I think is is expanding and uh, extruding the the the, um, the extraordinary side of it. Nicely put. Uh, because it really it can be very rewarding uh, financially and in fun and exposure and social opportunity. And social opportunity is such an important issue on a super yacht that if you're the kind of person who retreats into your app uh, every time you can, then you probably aren't suited to working on a super yacht. You, you, of course, you're going to have contacts with your friends and the land, and uh, that's how you overcome uh, loneliness or homesickness and so on. But, but excessive retreat into uh, your, your screen is, is, a, is a bad thing. You need to be able to get on with people even when you're off duty. It's an issue which we have to address right from the beginning. But my... My experience here has not been to see uh, people who are socially uh, restricted, but most of the people who come here are very much the opposite. They're people who come from a hospitality background, a sporting background, a diving background, who are used to, to being um, positive and outgoing and expecting to contribute to a group and to be a real team, team member. Being a team member is what it's all about. If you can't be a team member uh, through good and bad, then again, it's probably not your, not your career. Mm. 
I would imagine um, the kind of person that travels all the way to Phuket to go on a course is somebody who's looking at adventure, is looking at yes, um, that sure, kind of thing. Sure. Where it's probably different if it's a course around the corner. Yes. Um, it's possibly a different, uh, not knocking it, but you know, if something's local, it, yes. there's more of a um, comfort zone to it. And I, I think we do get a particular type of person um, from Scandinavia, from the UK, from from Central Europe, America and Australia and so on. In the first five months of this year, we've had students from uh, 28, actually I think it might be 30 countries now because we've had two from uh, strange places. Um, and it's really surprised me that our students come from so, such diverse origins, countries I've hardly heard of. How did they hear about us? Um, and the, um, the type of person who comes that far to Phuket is probably adventurous, probably looking for something a little bit different than, than um, just working on a boat. Mm. Uh, a lot of divers, by the way, a lot of um, dive instructors and dive masters uh, come here for, for, for diving as well. Yeah, I, I, I see pretty outgoing, pretty confident people. Um, one, one key to this also is that we have a, a careers advisor, a Scandinavian, uh, a Swedish lady, Sarah. Okay. Um, she's been in Thailand for 16 years, actually here in Phuket or close to Phuket mm -hmm. for 16 years, has grown up children or, or uh, youngsters who are, who are in the uh, school years, um, was a student of ours and then joined a super yacht, actually several super yachts and had the experience. And we invited her back to, be, to join our team and become the super yacht advisor careers advisor. <clears throat> so everybody who's interested in coming to Galileo for a course is going to speak to her first. And she knows what the training is like, she knows what the career is like, what the work on board is like, um, and she gives them uh, counseling of what to expect, what you can get out of it, what you need to understand about it before you even make a booking. And then when you get here, you meet me and uh, in that first day, um, I will set the scene very clearly so that you know this is what you can expect out of the industry and this is what you can't. Mm -hmm. And they know it's an industry that is hard to get into and very easy to get out of. Um, it's a self-cleaning industry. If people are not suitable, if they're a square peg in a round hole, they're going to find themselves walking down the gangplank fairly fast. Um, and therefore, um, I think the people who leave here with full qualification um, are either suitable or they're not. And we know it during that 15, 16 days. They live here in our residence and we see them um, not only in the classroom, but we see them at dinner time and breakfast time and in the evening working in the, uh, in the recreation room or in the swimming pool. And we get a pretty good idea whether they're going to be suitable and what kind of yacht, what kind of crew they'll work well with. And about eight out of ten get very good jobs. This might be why the MCA put that footnote when you got accreditation. <laughs> maybe. <clears throat> maybe. But um, it, it's because of that um, effort we put to get people jobs. Mm. Uh, we help them not only with their expectations, but also in writing their CV properly and 
explaining to them that you, you may get three to eight seconds of a captain's attention on your CV. And if you haven't impressed him that you're the one to stop at, um, you lost the opportunity. So you have to have a CV that, that, that says who you are in three to eight seconds um, and, and creates interest in you. That's very true. And, and then when they finished the course and so on, we uh, put them in touch with yachts and captains who are looking for people like them or through the agencies. We have about 40 agencies we have an arrangement with where they, they will take um, graduates from Galileo and, and place them on suitable yachts. Um, it's good for them. They get a fee for that. We don't take a fee for that. It's uh, our, our intention is to get our graduates jobs full stop. And, uh, and we're good at it. We've, we've got about 200 super yachts around the world who've taken a graduate crew from Galileo, um, like what they got. And they've said to us, if you get any more like that, let us know. So that gives us a ready market to pass on our graduates to. And we don't take a risk here. If someone's not suitable, we won't recommend them. But if they are, we'll give them every chance of getting a job as quickly as we can. I want to come and do the cookery course. <laughs> do a cookery course? Yes. Yes. You'll enjoy that. Um, it's, that's, a, that's a fun course. We have some very good uh, floral courses for floral art and uh, uh, buffet design and, and um, a silver service and so on. They're, they're tremendous fun. Uh, and mixology and uh, wine, wine appreciation and service and so on. I've Wonderful rec courses. I recently found that uh, cooking is, is uh, my new hobby. And uh, Thai, Thai cooking is something that I'm. I'm That's uh, amazing. Wonderful to stuff. That's oh, one of the reasons I live here. Yeah, I I, well, I, I yes, and the Thai street food. Mm. If you're ever in Bangkok, uh, don't yeah, think amazing. about what you're eating; just eat it. It's phenomenal. Just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, we've come Indeed. to the top of the hour, um, and I'd, I'd love to talk more about it. I I, I think what you're doing there is f absolutely phenomenal. It, it's. Uh, from all corners, you hear great things about Galileo. And having spoken well, with yourself and Keen, please stay in touch. It'd be good to catch up with you again. Gonna try Indeed, and go and I, hope, uh, I hope a lot of your um, audience will find their way to Galileo in Phuket and um, do their refresher training or their upgrade training and so on in, uh, in sunny and beautiful Phuket. Oh, well, I'll certainly highly recommend it. <laughs> and uh, after I do the cookery course there, I will be able mm. to speak firsthand of what a great facility you, you have. You will indeed. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so <laughs> you much. You too, Anthony. Thank you so much for your time. That was well, Anthony Gould, who is the um, owner, founder, well, founder, uh, now owner of uh, Galileo Training Academy. Not not the founder, forgive me, because you... You, it was an acquisition. No, I'm not the founder. I'm, the, I'm the, the, the chairman and CEO of Galileo Maritime Academy. That's it. And if you want to get in touch with Galileo Maritime Academy, what's the best way to do that? Uh, it's info at Galileo Maritime Academy dot com. Galileo Maritime Academy, all one word, of course. Or you can send it to Anthony at Galileo Maritime Academy dot com. And if all that fails, just get on to us here at Super Yacht Radio. And we will make sure that you get in touch. You're listening to Super Radio. It's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>